Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm Kimberly Ann Southwick. I'm Philip Ellis. And I'm Michael Hamm. And I'm Ian Carlos Crawford, and today we're here to talk Angel Season 2, Episode 3, First Impressions. Um, Hammy, hi. Hi. It's your first time as a full-fledged co-host. Oh, shit. We've done so many things. Uh, oh, God. Is it really? Is this like the first official one? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Hi, welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This is great. That was the best intro we've ever done, by the way. <laughs> like, was. That was the smoothest anyone has ever said their names on this show. It's amazing. So off to a good start. <laughs> when we did um, yesterday, two days ago, the episode with Dayspring, I was like, wait, you're doing, you're saying too much extra before Slayer Fest 98. And he was like, what do I say? I was like, just say welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I know it throws everyone off. Um, but Yes. Uh, what did everyone... Th- I know this is like more of a throwaway episode, but I will say it's like a fun throwaway episode. Like I didn't... I, I've been going through... I know, Philip, you have like vaguely recently been season two, right? Uh, yeah, like so last year after we uh, covered season one on the podcast, I just carried on and watched the entire show again. Yeah. Because like I remember these first few episodes being like not good prior but like watching them now after covering season one i'm like oh but there's such a step up because at least like we're using the cast rather than it just being angel and like whatever random new character and then cordy and wes are at the beginning and end yeah it's 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 sort of it's still like a bit of a procedural they're still pretending that it's about a detective agency right but like so like i I literally asked i was loading it up um on streaming to to rewatch this afternoon i was like oh yeah you know you like untouched comes after this and you you have the episodes where it is like a get a one-off guest character and it's all about their story like they're still doing that but it is so much more serialized it's so much about the dala arc and basically like the the a plot is just marking time until the dala story can really kick off and maybe this one is a little bit better because we have the, like the Darla stuff happening or is that already happening on the other two I did not rewatch season two no this is the first this is this isn't the first time you see Darla but it's the first okay. time you see him dreaming about her right Philip uh I think so yeah so in the yeah. season two premiere she's at Wolfram and Hart yeah and like Lindsay okay. and Lila are dealing with her but I think it's the first time that we see him dreaming and that's going to be a thing for I, I think the next like several episodes yeah yeah I I jumped in at this one not having watched the first two of the season first. And I was kind of like, okay, I stopped halfway through because I was like, did I miss something in the first two episodes? I went back and I was like, "Uh, not really. Like, I remember (laughs) how season one ended. And yeah, Darla doesn't show up like in this way until this season or until this episode. Yeah. Because you've got the first episode where she's just milling about Wolfram. Then the second episode is the all about the hotel in the 50s. And then... That's why I was so thrown. I was like, did I? Yeah, I thought I had missed something about Darla, but I, I hadn't. Yeah. I think it opens in a way that you're supposed to feel that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like even if you had seen the other two episodes more recently than we have, like if you were watching this week to week, for example, it, it doesn't open with a previously on, right? Yeah. Like it just jumps right into the stream. And I was kind of waiting for something. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, like this is the episode. Like, oh, yeah. okay. So I, I liked that frame, and I think it's supposed to throw us off, and it does the frame in and of itself of the dreams. I mean, it's in the middle too, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, 
I think yeah. you do a good job of building to it because you're watching the episode and it starts off like a regular episode. Then you see Darla there and you're like, oh, shit, she's here to cause some trouble. They mm-hmm. start kissing and you're like, oh, oh, does Angel know all about this? And then you start to see the people in the club slowly disappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm. oh, this is a dream. <laughs> and Lauren's little pep talk, like Lauren is just such a good character. Yes. I don't know. You you feel like he's really talking to Angel. So to have it, to realize it's a dream, it just takes a little while. It's it's a little bit like in uh, Restless on Buffy. Tara is this relatively new character who is like speaking to the the main cast in dreams. And it sort of feels like that's actually Tara doing that. And because Lorne is this sort of mystical character that we haven't really got to know yet, it feels like yeah, that could really be Lorne, who just happens to be in the dream. But, like, it's he's speaking the way that Lorne would speak. Yes. And also, I just have in my notes, like, Andy Hallett's voice, when he starts to sing, is just so gorgeous. And it's Get Here by Alita Adams. It's one of my mother's favorite songs. I just love that bit. I forgot about that bit. Oh, I didn't even, what is, I didn't know the song. What, it, it's like a, what is um, it from? So it's it's been covered a bunch of times. I don't think Alita Adams wrote it. I think she, it's a cover, but, like, that's the version. It's like a, a sort of a Motown ballad. Um, and it's just absolutely stunned. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I like that it's, you don't think it's a dream and then you do notice it's a dream. And like, I, I, Philip, I feel like you and I have specifically talked about her before, but God, Julie Benz is so good. Right. I mean, first of all, she looks great. (laughs) Like just, yeah. Like, yeah. When the camera pans over to her in the red dress, I, I realized I always think of Darla in red, and I mm-hmm. think partially it's because of, like, looks like this. Yeah. And even though I don't especially love the cryptic dream speak that they they write into these scenes, um, she's just, like, magnetic. She is, yeah. you can't look away from her. And so we are with Angel in that, in that we are just, like, entranced by her in these in these scenes. Yeah, I think that Angel's, you, I, I, like the, I like the way you put it there, cryptic dream, dream speak. He's sort of like a 12-year-old girl in these scenes with her. <laughs> and that's when you realize that he's dreaming, like, a, or I don't know. Because he's normally not that giddy and, like, thirsty. Yeah, and just, like, kind of, like, like, stupid with, like, lust or love or some combination of the two. But I, her, her speech there, the cryptic dream, dream speech, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And you're absolutely right. He is just the heart eyes emoji in each of these sequences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like the horniness that's but like, they are like ready to fuck immediately, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I appreciate and love. <laughs> There's so much shirtless angel in this episode. Oh, fantastic. There yep. sure is. I, <laughs> anytime, like, so, you know, this, this one ends and it's like, you know, Lauren is like, she specifically says you haven't told anyone else about these dates of ours, which mm-hmm. insinuates he has been having a few dreams about her. And then Lauren is like, somebody get these vamps a room. And we cut mm-hmm. to Angel shirtless, sleepless in bed, struggling. And like, maybe it's <clears throat> my whatever, but all of these scenes of him struggling and like shirtless and like, ugh, I just really, really doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> what a shock. What a surprise. Fuck off, Hammy. What a twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get the credits post credits we see Gunn arriving at the hotel which this is a little weird that they settled in so fast to that hotel <laughs> they're cleaning the dust I mean but like literally the episode before this ended with it was like covered in like the blankets over everything there was cobwebs it was dusty and now it's like we're good yep we have a room or like Angel has his little room and I don't know it's 
I, but I do like this set. I think this set was a good choice. And, and this is the setting that you think of when you think of the show, yeah. I think, yeah. is, is because it's, what, season two till the end of season four? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, like, it, it, it's, a bit, it's a bit odd that they decided to move in at the end of the last episode, and then we spend almost no time here this episode. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and I and I know that like in the next episode, it's still very much a wreck because um, like when the telekinetic girl moves in, like it's like half the rooms are still you know like derelict and yeah, uh, there's rusty nails everywhere. Um, so it, we are still in this sort of like transitional phase, but it's very much getting to the point of like this is the show, this is what the show is going to be moving forward up to and including Gun walking in. He's not officially part of the group yet, but he knows to come to Angel when he needs help. Yeah. And I, I think that's why I can appreciate these early season two episodes, even if they're not like that great, because it is like showing us what the show will be like. And I do think having the hotel lobby as your main like set is a lot better than the Angel Investigation set, which I didn't hate, but it just this works better for like well, a TV show. I did read that I think that the reason they blew up the office at the end of season one was just it was too small to film in. Yeah. It was so cramped. Um, mm. And so, yeah, like having this vast, airy space, uh, it's great in, in terms of like, you know, characters can move around more. It's more like a, it almost looks like a stage. Um, yeah. And then obviously throughout the, the next couple of seasons, there are so many big action set pieces that take place in that lobby because you've got the staircase, the balconies, the, yeah. the office. There's, there's all these little levels and locations within this just one big room um so yeah i i, I love the hotel and the the little staircase to the doors i feel like leads to quite a few good dramatic entrances yeah oh absolutely yeah where it's like everyone is on the ground floor and then the person entering is just like those three steps above them but it does make it more like dramatic i mean it's a good point that even though they just moved in you'd think you'd want them to spend more time there this episode but then at the same time i don't really want to watch some cleaning that's you know? true yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah we'll do that off stage and and then it'll it'll be set up enough ish moving that's forward. true that's true um so then i feel we like get- they just needed a library like they were <laughs> season one they were like this is great but like we need our our buffy our angel version of buffy's yeah. library right like space mm. shit is big enough to just go down <laughs> we have room to fight and I love what you said about them coming in the staircases because that happens in this episode and it's fantastic. <laughs> and it always works. I don't know. Um, and I I like that also immediately we're using all these characters better. Um, mm-hmm. Agreed. Yes. Oh, Wesley is so yeah. competent in this episode. Yes. And I love this. I, I love season two Wesley because he's still a little bit goofy and mm-hmm. he's not like the grizzled anti-hero that he will become. But like he just like he 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 knows how to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and Cordelia too. They you know the fact that when they all leave this scene, Wesley and Cordelia help them fight those vampires. Which I was like, yes, thank yeah. you. Yes, Cord- like Cordelia me- stakes a vampire and like saves Wesley. Yeah, in that in that fight, I I I I think I'd always missed on maybe when it was first airing that Cordelia because she's obviously up until sort of later seasons when she you know her powers grow and she does start to fight with angel like she's like in those big group scenes she's often like left like kind of cut out of frame so you yeah. can't see that she's fighting but she is she's doing her bit like i think they did a good job in this episode and both the fight scenes that she and wesley were in they sort of helped each other yeah you know like like gun like and and i mean angel obviously has like background and right. gun has like a background in this and i mean you know wesley and cordy do too but like they need each other they like 
they all need each other, which gets proven at the end of the whole show episode. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I really like that. And I do think like, I like Angel, but I just, I didn't care about when it was always him and whatever one-off character that we're supposed to care about. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever sent like blonde from central casting yeah. <laughs> definitely definitely not a stand-in for Buffy and then it's like well if you're gonna get a blonde who's a stand-in for Buffy let it be Darla because yes. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's a much better like stand-in than anyone else um and I I like that the thing I didn't realize is how much like Gunn Cordy and Wes don't really know Gunn that well um, which like in my brain, I'm like, wait, but they've, oh, right. I guess they wouldn't really like in, in the first episode of the season, it's like, or as a second one, he's like, oh, I met you guys once before, but you were sleeping. And then he's like, I'm joking. I was watching you in the hospital when you guys were like both sick. Yeah. This is the first time that we're seeing the team kind of yeah. all getting together. Yeah. Uh, but what I like is it doesn't feel like a kind of team up origin story. It is, it is like a, a, a story of the week in that this side character who we've known for a little while, you know, Cordelia yeah. has a vision, he's in trouble, and we think it is just going to be a, a plot of the week about, you know, a demon in, like, a chop shop, I guess. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but actually it ends up being like, no, no, this is really, all we're doing is character work here, and the plot is inconsequential. It's all about Cordelia and Gunn and showing yeah. what journey they're going to be on, both respectively and together. Yes, yes, and I, I do love that. Um I also like that he called when they're like, oh, Angel's still sleeping. And he's like, uh, go knock on his coffin. And like, he doesn't use a coffin, but we can help you. And he calls them C-3PO and stick figure Barbie. Which yeah, yeah. Rude. <laughs> you almost, he's almost like a, you could mistake him for like a Kate. You know, someone who comes in when he needs their help kind of thing. Yeah. But he's a lot better. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, everyone hates Kate. Wow. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like like you could almost think that that's how they're going to use him. Yeah. Up until the end of this episode, and may- maybe even through the end of this episode. Yeah, and then, so we also get David Nabbit in his last appearance on Angel. <laughs> I completely, I completely forgot that David Nabbit was even in season two. I thought he was just, in my head, he's always just been in those weird batch of episodes at the end of season one. Yeah, and which is so weird. Just ne- never for the plot just there for vibes yeah right like because like he comes in and then angel comes down and is like oh sorry i was late and he kind of is just like yeah do some loans all right bye guys see you never then <laughs> then pretty, like turned on by his like finance bro talk yeah oh, i i found that so funny yeah i you know same girl <laughs> because, because this this is a it's a great cordelia episode in a couple of ways in that it actually it shows us like she's shallow but also very deep um and the idea that like yeah this this deeply nerdy guy who is clearly like socially inept and you know made money because he'd never had friends in high school or whatever the minute he starts talking with confidence and knowledge about finances she's like she can see past all of his exterior you know what 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 she would usually see as drawbacks and she's like wow yeah no i could get into this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah her getting like all like hot about it i'm like girl i get it like <laughs> <laughs> but uh so then we we do get angel is immediately like all right let's go they're going to see i forget the it's funny because this the plot is technically i guess there's a demon that gun is hunting named dvac but it feels like more the plot is 
the car gets stolen and Cordy and Gunn go on wacky adventures. And, and, the, and that is what I love because in my, when I remember this episode, I just think of it as like, oh, Cordelia has a white savior complex about the black guy and then, and then there's a demon. But really, it's just, it's hijinks. It's yeah, it like, really there is. There is, there is so much like stupid humor that really works. It's dude, where's my car with demons? <laughs> <laughs> and this came out uh, like two months before dude, where's my car? Because I Googled that today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we get the fight. I mean, we did talk about it, but I really do like seeing them do, like, it's not just Wes and Cordy need saving from, mm-hmm. need Angel to save them. Well, there's something up with these vamps, too. Like, there's something up with, like, the L.A. crime demon scene. Like, they're, they are stronger than usual. That's one of my questions I have by the end of the episode is, okay, like, why are they stronger than usual? We never really get an answer for that. I think it's, and that's why like uh, Cordy and Wes kind of work as a team, and Angel and Gunn both get punched. <laughs> I I think it's supposed to be that because Angel is off his game, they're all able to get like it's like a little bit more work because he's not okay. able to kill them all easily. It's more about he's like spending too much time sleeping so he can be with Darla than yeah. like the vamps are on like you know vamp right. steroids. Yeah, yeah. That, that and, was my take on it as well. Is like Angel is just like completely not with it um yeah and so like he would normally be able to hold his own and protect the rest of the group but he's just not and and, and yeah and maybe like because he's not patrolling as much the vampires are kind of you know getting yeah. cocky maybe i don't know yeah Amy, uh, what'd you think i thought this episode was going to be one of those uh, i mean we've already said it but one of those like one-off episodes when i started watching it so when we got to that fight scene and there was actual like good fight choreography and we were all having a great time i was like okay okay it's not going to be just an episode where nothing happens. Like there's that moment where they're all sitting in front of the car after the fight Mm -hmm. and all of their dialogue is so characteristic of each character. And it was like that moment I was like, okay, this is like a team up episode where we're actually going to get character interactions that are going to last throughout this whole season where we see these four and it's that shot where they're just sitting there in front of the car and you're like, okay, they're together forever and even though i knew this like we're watching it in a way where i'm taking notes on it i was like oh this is such an important moment so like i think getting their asses kicked was important to kind of humble them all and have them like sitting there for that moment and and bond them together as well right yeah yeah Yeah. they're not you know two of these people think they're invincible (laughs) and they've learned quickly that they aren't and the two people who you know the other two, like Cordelia and Wesley, who they think are so breakable, were yeah. able to stand up for themselves. So I think everyone, like, they're raised up while Wes and Angel are sort of humbled and everyone's on an even playing field for a minute there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and I do like that. And I like, like you said, that interaction is really good. I love that it's like they're making all these pop culture references and she's like, be, be less Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs and more Guy Pierce in LA and guns in LA confidential. And gun says he's boycotted movies since Denzel was robbed of his Oscar from out of act. Oh, the whole, the whole Denzel so bit good. is so, so good. Like, I love how they do the thing where they're talking about it, but then they don't like, you know, they're talking about different things, but then they're talking about the same thing. Yes. Like they, they, somebody keeps changing or they stay on the Denzel and they get off of it and like they don't know like what they're so I don't know yeah you know yeah. so that well written so yeah I wrote down that whole interaction because yeah so he he after 
Gunn says that, he leaves, and mm-hmm. uh, Cordy says that was, or Wes says quite that was quite the performance, and Cordy says, talk about wound up too tight, and he says, I'm talking about Denzel, mm-hmm. and she says, well, he's always great. And, and Wes says, what about you to Angel? And he says, who doesn't love Denzel? And he says, no, I meant you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like really good. And like, that feels like three friends, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, 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 if anything I could, I could do with like more of that. And I guess obviously we'll have that more like in the show moving forward, yeah. but it is, yeah, just like we've all had our asses kicked. Let's just take a beat. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I love, yeah. When, when, like in in an episode where actually a a, a crazy amount of stuff does happen, um, yeah. <laughs> it's nice it's nice to take a breath and let the characters just be. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So then uh, they all go home. Wesley's beeper is broken, which is important for the plot. Shortly, <laughs> um, Angel's like, "Oh, I'm going to sleep," and it does feel weird in a way that it's not commented on more that Angel is basically sleeping twenty hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like Cordelia, Cordelia notices it because Cordelia notices everything, and she's maybe you know she's the closest to him, and I guess maybe Wesley and Gunn are still relatively new to the group, but yeah. it's like he's just in bed having wet dreams, <laughs> like permanently. <laughs> kind of notices it and he's not even really part of the group he's like wake him up you know like he yeah <laughs> he doesn't realize he's sleeping too much but he he realizes we're supposed to be having a meeting you should be awake yeah yeah i well so first she gets her vision i do like that we get the mention of dennis because i love mm-hmm. phantom dennis he's made it too cold so he puts up the thermostat and then she gets her vision and when she's calling them all i do like that Angel's dream, you hear her, his phone ringing because she's calling him. Mm-hmm. And um, who, hasn't, who hasn't been there, right? right? Like, yes. where, where your, your, your alarm is going off, but it's like in the dream and you're like dancing to it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I also think they both look so fucking hot from oh, oh. bathing in the dark. <laughs> I, I, again, in my notes, I've just, I've just put, they both look so, capital letters, good. <laughs> right? Angel's titties look great. Darla Ooh. is like dripping sex appeal. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it says about me or what it is, but like them doing this in the dark makes it sexier. <laughs> Sunbathing at night, it's just like so perverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kim, any thoughts? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I was paying more attention to plot. I wasn't really paying attention to how hot everyone looked. Tim. <laughs> I, know, I don't know. I'm having an off day, guys. Just like Angel. I know. <laughs> what podcast are you on? <laughs> Listen, it is that is not normal for Kim. Normally, Kim and I are both ones like being like, yeah, that person looks hot. Um, Hammy, what were your thoughts on the uh, sunbathing? <laughs> this, the this was the scene where I was like, oh, I would also sleep for 20 hours. Like, there's no <laughs> question. Like, look, look at them. Look at them. <laughs> no, I was just happy to get more uh, shirtless david yeah. and i mean they both look sexy and they're like the literally the sexiest couple ever yeah but like god I, I i don't know every time like the the next scene where he's sleeping and it's even sexier yes like do you can't blame the man <laughs> for sleeping as much as he does if this is like every time he sleeps this happens every fucking time <laughs> you know when you have that great dream and then you wake up and you're like shit i need to get back to i, I need to go back to sleep i need to finish this he can just do it every time yeah, that's kind of nice, right? Yeah, it is kind of nice. <laughs> usually, like, I have acquired a lot of very beautiful dresses, and I'm like, no, I must go back to sleep so I can get those dresses. <laughs> Kim. Uh, Amazing. I Kim. love that. 
That's oddly pure coming from you, Kim. I don't have, you know, I don't have sex dreams. I know, I know, but, but. <laughs> um, so then we get Cordelia is like, she can't get a hold of anyone. So she goes, gets her act, which because I noticed this, because we, we know what the pictures I take for this podcast, the Cordelia action figure they released came with that exact axe. Amazing. <laughs> which I love. I love um, that. But it's also the axe that she's holding in her last conversation with Buffy, and I will remember you, when she says she's taking things home because she's going to try to sell them because <laughs> she thinks Angel Investigations is closing because now he's human and him and Buffy are like sleeping together. And she asks if it's Victorian, and Buffy says Byzantine. And that's the same act she has in her house. So I like that she did bring that axe home. But I, I mean, that's fun a fun bit of continuity. But also, she wouldn't have taken it home because the day got rewound. But you know what? It's fine. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I like that they're, they're in some alternate version of history that we didn't see. There was still a reason for her to take that home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably just that was the axe they had laying around set. It's like props. But. But like, yeah, this is Cordy's now. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Th- this this moment right here is why I love Cordelia in season two onwards. Is and 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 in sort of towards the end of season one as well is she can't reach anyone else, but she knows that Gunn is in trouble, so she grabs the axe and she heads out on her own. Even though in her own words, she's like, "I'm gonna die," <laughs> but, she's, but she just knows that someone needs help. And the, and this is already like the growth that she's gone on as a character. Yeah. And also it's like she, you know, she was dusting in like a really fancy outfit and being really impractical. And that's the Cordelia of season one of Buffy. Yeah. Here she is in like a much more relaxed outfit. Her hair is pulled back. You know, she was just going to be reading at home, but now she's got to go into action mode. And yeah. this is like the inner Cordelia that she doesn't like the world to see. Yes. Yes. I think that's so true. And like, and also she still looks fantastic in her like relaxed clothes. I really like that. Like Truly. white top on her. Um, but you're right. It really is like a media and it's, I forget who said this to me recently, but someone said they felt Cordelia was more of a rewrite than Wesley, but I really don't. I feel like this feels organic for her, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and like from season one of Buffy, like they've always written her and, and she's always performed that character to be far more complex than yes. um, the initial perception. Yes. Yes. And like, I think when we, when me and Latoya interviewed her when she was on the podcast forever ago, she said something. She was like, I don't know what drew people to Cordy. I guess maybe people like love a bitch. And we were like, no, it's your performance. Like you bring more. It's what you just said, Philip. Like she bring always brought more to it than just that. And was always a lot more likable than like just quote unquote bitch. Right. Like, although she's great at being a bitch. (laughs) Oh, of course. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of times the dialogue that she's given works to her advantage in that. But I did feel like some, maybe it's just my 2023 perspective, but I did feel like some of her dialogue in this episode and and we'll get to some of the scenes that I felt that way kind of got in the way of her character. Yes. That you mean like her, her being the awkward white person. Yeah, her being the awkward white person and even her being like turned on by the finance bro speak. Like I I liked Philip's explanation on why that worked or Ian, you too, you kind of joined into that. Like she was like looking past all that. I don't think she was though. Like I think she was just just all about the money, like not actually interested in the dude. And I don't know, it just didn't work for me. I felt like her character wouldn't make a joke like that there. You know, it, it's it's almost like pointing out the in the inequity between like this man's like unattractiveness and like the thing that she does find attractive by saying something like that out loud. I don't know. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Mm. So she says, "I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die." She takes Angel's car to Gunn's headquarters. 
She sees him sparring with a man who clearly is not a demon and hits him on the head with her axe and everyone laughs because Gunn was just training fighting with that guy. Then we cut to the sexiest dream. Uh, <laughs> Hemi, what is the angel dream we cut to next? It, the, it's him and Darla. Now, I just want to make sure that I'm getting this right. It's the one where him and Darla are like in the back garden and yeah. Wesley is hammering a coffin. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's funny because, spoiler alert, the sexiest part of this dream for me yes. was when Angel wakes up and he's choking Wesley shirtless <laughs> on the floor. Yup. <laughs> yeah. So not so much the dream this time, but the uh, ramifications of the dream. <laughs> Literally, my notes in all caps says... Like, I have, like, oh, like, Angel wakes up, and then in all caps, Angel is naked, choking Wesley, and someone please send me this fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, we're broken. We're broken humans. I feel like Wesley's line there where he's like, and now, about the naked thing, was, like, so good because it wasn't homophobic. It was just, like, please get some clothes on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was more like, you're just, you're, like, dicks hanging out, and you're standing over me, like, above (laughs) me, like, "Mm." Maybe put some clothes on. But I also, the, like, innocence of Angel, and he's like, oh, gun can't breathe? Oh, you can't breathe. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm choking you. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like Angel is also, like, feels, like, very himbo-y, which also does it for me. Um, it's, it's, a good, it's a good himbo comedy episode for Angel. Um, yes. Like, the, the, the bit with the, the motorbike and the sidecar and the, the pink helmet. And yeah. It's just like... When the, the show is at its best, when it really makes fun of the straight white man who's leading yes. the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the thing I did notice, which I was like, I wish this wasn't so visible. You can notice that David Boreanaz is clearly wearing like white boxer shorts. The biggest the white boxer shorts yes. of all time. <laughs> A baggy underwear. <laughs> That gave me that gave me the ick. Yeah, yeah. Don't love a baggy underwear. Is that because of the the like when they re ratioed it from full screen to widescreen? Or I is think that... so. I think so. Okay. Because a lot like on uh, Hulu, a lot. But sometimes it's a show, right? The shows were made whatever back whenever, and like because there's one scene in Buffy in Forever where people say it's because of the reformatting, but it's not. The like. On the DVDs, I remember seeing the like cameraman sitting in Willow's dorm room off to the side. Um, wow. So sometimes it is the reformatting, sometimes it's not. Um, but yeah, no, I was like, man, I wish I couldn't. Like, it's taking me out of this that I can see his underwear because I want to. I want to imagine he is naked while choking Wesley. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, then uh, where do we go, Phil? <laughs> uh, so there, so Cordelia has embarrassed herself in front of uh, all of uh, Gunn's stereotypical street friends. Right. Um, so they go outside. He's berating her, uh, and the car has been stolen. Right. And it cuts to and again, one of the funniest moments of the episode. It like so Gunn says to Cordelia, "Where's your car?" And then it cuts immediately to Wesley asking Angel, where's your car? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that leads us to the moment with um, Angel being cajoled into putting on the pink helmet and then Wesley going, all right, come on, gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. I wrote down, Wesley is funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> accurate. Like, accurate description. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like you said, I like that it's, so I, I talk about the show a lot because it is my nighttime background show. Um, Seinfeld does that a lot where it's like, the men are being stupid, but the show is pointing, like, is making fun of the fact that the men are being stupid. Whenever the men are like, oh, well, like, that's kind of like, oh, that's too girly for me. And, like, the show is making fun of men doing that. Yeah. And for me, that's like, 
that's when I don't mind shit like that if the show is aware that that is stupid and like making fun of it. So like Wesley's making fun of him because he knows it's like, we have to get on this fucking motorcycle, just put on your helmet. Doesn't matter if it's pink and Angel's like, Ooh. so like him saying gorgeous, like really, like that works. <laughs> that's Absolutely. what was so good about the bit, right? Is like, I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, Wesley really doesn't get it that it's pink and that's demasculating. And right, right. Wesley's like, he doesn't understand it. And then immediately when Angel puts on the helmet and he calls him gorgeous, I was like, oh, he knew the whole <laughs> fucking time. Yeah. I was like, brilliant, brilliant. I love this man. <laughs> um and then uh we get cordy and gun in his car their shtick a little bit is is like almost running stale until it gets good i think uh yeah it's doing this sort of like oh they're the odd couple they're you know they're sort of the 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 lethal weapon you know mismatched pairing kind of thing um and i think it's it uh, by this point, we know that Cordelia isn't like stupid, yes. um, and I and I think uh, Kim, you had a point where it's like some of the lines that she's given make her appear more naive than she would be by this point. Um, like when we get to this house party that looks like something out of Save the Last Dance, yes. and Cordelia immediately goes on this rambly monologue about being a sex worker, and then she tells Veronica that she could be a sex worker. It, it, it's yeah, like it's yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I. It's, Wait, I, let's not I, skip the part where they're at the where they actually see that Dvac is like working with literally everyone in the neighborhood. But I feel like that's all we really need to say about that part. That's true. Oh right, yeah. I, I, I didn't even have that bit written down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, because they they go to the the car place. First. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like how we get to the party is like through right. there, and then we we realize Dvac like we this guy's got connections that we didn't necessarily think he had. Right. Yeah. But no, I mean that whole part about her being a what is she? What did she say? Like woman, of, not woman of the night, uh, but working like, girl, working, working girl. girl. Yeah, like I mean, and I get like I I know what they're doing. They're trying to make her go on a little bit too long about something she shouldn't have said in that way that you feel when you feel like you are out of place somewhere and you've said something that you shouldn't have said, right? Right. But right. like it's just it's too long. Like yes. they and they could have done it. Without maybe using something like a sex worker, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, it's, it's a little much. I, I get what they're trying to do. They do this a lot with gun, but I think it doesn't quite work. Like, oh, look, the white people are being awkward, which like, yes, sure. But like, maybe a little less. I don't know. Yeah, I think like my biggest pet peeve with this episode or I guess the thing I just liked the least that will prevent me from giving it a higher grade in the end is is all of the Cordelia gun shtick yeah like yeah that seat in the car drove me crazy when they're like interrogating I guess is the right word the guy at the car shop and then this whole scene with the yeah the sex worker energy like you've already got her bumbling around as the white person at the party and like adding the the racial tension on top of the like sex work tension on top of the I was like oh, God it's a bit much like yeah. I I understand what they're doing I feel like they've done this bit a lot the like I'm bumbling so it's just getting worse and worse and yeah. this time it just felt a little cringy and not like funny the whole when she says right before they walk in she says trust me I know how to blend and then you walk in and I was trying to I'm like. Okay, like obviously Cordelia is white and Gunn is black. So like that's where that's where we're going to go. But the way that 
that you open on the, the scene of everybody dancing and there are some white people in there. So the way that they're stereotyping this like rundown LA, um, like I would like the, you know, the, the paint was cracking on the wall. Like it looked like a place, the house that wasn't necessarily being taken care of. And I'm right. like, okay, where's the overlap here? Is this, is this about class or is this about race or are we making a stereotype about both of them? Right. Like these aren't Cordy's people, but in what way? Right. You know, like as soon as she said that, I was like, ooh, this isn't going to be good for my 2023 perspective at all. And it wasn't, but it could have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> the, di- the dialogue didn't help. And yeah, I mean, the the era where this is being filmed, where we, what did someone mention? Save the Last Dance, right? We've got a lot of these sort of movies where you have like a, a white savior-esque type character uh, coming into some sort of urban, to use a very 2020 word environment and like... I don't know, mixing things up a bit. Yeah, it definitely had that vibe. I felt yeah. I felt almost bad for um, uh, the actor that had to play Gun. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's a little mm. like. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do like. I don't know. I think that the episode turns out okay in the end, yes. despite yes. this like sort of awkwardness of the scene, though. And I think that yeah, there's the whole white savior thing at the end that its own pro- that has its own problems. But like as an episode, it doesn't. I'm not going to turn the TV off. Like. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think th- the show always has this problem when it tries to write about Gunn and the world that he comes from, as of, as opposed to just Gunn existing with the Angel Investigations. Yes, past. agreed. Agreed. Um, and I, I'm thinking of like later episodes in season two, you know, when when we meet Anne again, and it's about the the shelter and the the, the evil cops. Um, I think those are actually, I mean, having rewatched like you know maybe six months ago, like. I, th- I think it got better with the, in those ones because there was more of a plot and more of a reason for them to be there. Yes. Um, and then obviously in season three, uh, they, ha- they have the, you know, his old, his old gang. And it, that's like right. a, it, it, I think the dramatic stakes here aren't, aren't high enough. So we're being distracted by just like how bad the, the, the writing around the race and the class is. Yeah. And I mean, it's like a white guy born in 1966 who wrote the episode. So, I mean, that's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Like they should have had, if you're going to write an episode like this, like you get a black writer in the room. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure they had none in the room at all. But yeah, no. And, and like, that's, I think that's like what you said, Kim, is like, it ends up okay. Like it ends up in a good spot where like, I don't mind it as much, but, and I, so they're at this party, they're talking, she has that like bumbling moment, then vamps like attack, right? Um, and his friend that she had that bumbling moment with gets pushed into like a glass shelf, she gets a piece of glass in her neck. Cordy does a lot of like nursing things, and I'm like, they should have just made it that like that was her other job. Because then it would make more sense that like when she she knows exactly what to do, and when they get to the hospital, she's able to like talk to the nurses and be like, "This is what I did." She pulled it out before. Like I loved that because it's like again, this is showing that when when you know things go wrong, she leaps into crisis mode and she immediately yes. knows like she's she's taking. And I think this is like uh, it's what earns some respect from Gun for her. She yeah. saves Veronica's life by you know. Um, by doing the right first aid and, and it's a running thing throughout the entire show up until season four she is the one patching up uh, angel and wesley and gun after yeah. they've been in a big fight like she is always the one you know applying bandages and and you know doing that and it's a very obviously it's a very gendered thing 
Um, right. the, the, the men come home from war and, and you know, she's there with a, a glass of a, a bowl of warm water and a, a damp cloth to apply to a bare torso. But like it, it uh, yeah, it, like I, I liked it. But it's sort of, yeah, it's like, well, yeah, it may have made more, more sense for Cordelia to be a nurse, but then Cordelia would never be a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> true, yes. <laughs> I mean, she's from Sunnydale. She's, she's got experience. True, true. Yeah. So she, and like, that is when Gunn starts to like her. And it's we... good. I think the part of what I was trying to say before, sorry, is that it's good for the characters that things happen the way that they happen here, despite all the bumbling. You know, like... She and Gunn, I think, see each other a lot differently after this scene. And that's that's really important for character building and their relationship and Gunn's character as well as Cordy's, certainly. Well, I think, like, the scenes themselves are well-written. The, it's, like, the dialogue is where I find it, like, kind of gets... Well, like, I like to think of that house party scene, if that was directed by a Black person, even with the same, you know, potentially the same script, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a completely different scene in the way that everyone was acting. And I think that's where we lose it. But I think, yeah, Kim, you're right. Like these scenes are all important scenes that are all leading somewhere. And as much as I'd be like, oh, take the house scene, like the house party scene out and we're still fine. I, I don't think we would be because we need that for Cordy to have this moment. Yeah. And yeah. I think what I love about Cordelia and being kind of the nursey thing is like in my head, the canon is on her free time. She's just reading about this stuff because she knows it's helpful. And that's like, why we see her become this more competent person is because she starts taking everything so much more seriously and like spending some of her free time learning, whether it's to show off, um, you know, or whether it's actually be helpful because she feels like she isn't. I love that as a take on the character because earlier in the episode, I kept trying to pause it to see what she was, what book she was Uh reading just before she had the vision. And I couldn't, I couldn't see. (laughs) That was like my during covid not my trick but my party trick i guess yeah during covid i would like peer behind people and like try to see what they're reading on their bookshelves like what because i worked at bookstores for so long you can recognize spines pretty easily (laughs) oh i i had friends over yesterday um and one one of whom is um, an author and literally one of the first things she said when she walked into my house was uh "Hmm, nice about my bookshelf and i was like yes um right hammy yeah yes yes i have read a book as well (laughs) i own many of them with no pictures (laughs) my sweet angel um also wait also i did want to point out at that party i do kind of like when Cordelia makes the shitty, when she's like, aren't you, are you friends with every criminal in town? He's like, what makes you think they're all criminals? You think David Nabbitt made his money being a good person? And she's like, well, actually he did. And she has like reasons. And he's like, yeah, well, does that ever trickle down? And like, <laughs> I like that he still had, like, he was able to like, I don't know. It wasn't just completely like, Ooh, these are criminals. Yep. And he's like, yeah, that rich guy, he's not helping. Like, you know, it's not helping anyone. Well, it was extra nice. Cause she was like, nobody is. Yeah. And it was like, you know what, Cordelia? Actually, every billionaire is a criminal no matter yeah. what. So, like, <laughs> actually, you're wrong. It doesn't matter how much they give to charity. Right. I, I really right. like He was just telling them how they could buy a hotel for zero dollars. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not a... He is not 100% squeaky clean. Right. <laughs> um, and so, 
we get the moment, which I think, I feel like this is the moment that Cordy and Gunn bond is when they're in that like waiting room yeah. and he accidentally says his sister's name instead of yeah. his friend's name, which I wish we would have like paused a little bit on that. My question there was, does Cordelia know how his sister, like that his sister, he had a sister and that she died? Because I, I can't remember how present she was in his introduction episode. Well, uh, Philip, I, you took, I was literally just thinking like, but I don't know if she would have known like, it's possible that it's just like a character beat for the audience. Like, and she's yeah. like, yeah. that's not her name. That's you know what I, I mean? It was. But I feel like this is a bonding moment for them where she like realizes how upset he is. Yeah. She realizes he just wants to like protect, you know, his, his friends and his like chosen family. And then I do really like the beat of the guy who stole her car walking behind her and her not even seeing him, but being like, don't you dare keep yep. going. <laughs> it's such a great, it's such a great way of undercutting that really sincere moment that could yeah. have been like, oh, these two people who misunderstood each other <laughs> now have a shared understanding. Uh, it's like, no, no, like she is still like, yeah, where's my boss's car? Like, I, it's immediately, and it's immediately like, okay, we've been to like 20,000 locations so far. Let's go to another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like an episode of The Mandalorian. God, they're going like so many different places. Yeah. So many side quests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also in between all this, we do get, which I like, the moment when Angel and Wes arrive at the party and they're like helping that woman who's disoriented. And she's like, oh, I just, I hit my head. I think I need to lay down. And then Angel fucking headbutts her because he knows she's a vampire. Mm-hmm. I do like that. And then, um, where do they go, Philip? <laughs> uh, so then they go to uh, the... Yeah, they go to get the cup. So yes, yes, they go right. to the uh, to the auto shop, and um, it is revealed that uh, Divac and Jamil are the same person. Yes, I don't know how or if that matters. Uh, it's never explained, right? Um, it can't matter. I literally <laughs> forgot who it was when when Divac turns back into a human. I was like, what? They were like, it's him. I was like, who? Who? And I was like. Oh, was he at the... Oh, yeah, this guy, this guy. (laughs) And I was like, okay, okay. I guess he's just a shape-shifting demon. It's the ugliest, it's the worst demon ever. Oh my god, so ugly. And like, just like his shoulder, like it looks like a man on stilts holding like sticks for arms. Like it's a bad creature. It's, so the, the way he's standing uh, makes me think of that meme. It was like you standing in your parents' doorway at three in the morning telling them you used to up. But <laughs> it is. I, it's just so bad. Yeah, I said that he, I put in my notes, this demon fully looks like a spirit Halloween display monster. <laughs> like, Oh, that's what it, the one where you step on the ground and then it yep. like jumps forward. Yes. Yep. Like it has no, me- it's just mechanics on the ends. Oh, that's exactly, that is what it looks like. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> Like, and, you know, Buffy and Angel have some pretty rough demons, but this one, I, it, it, that sheet hanging over him that, like like you said, looks like it's just held up by, like, stilts is roof. Yeah, um, I don't think they close at all. I don't know how they're working. Yeah, they're and, like, them. it feels like that demon's barely moving because that actor probably can't move in that outfit. He's huge. He's yeah, a he, huge demon. Um, and I do like that we get, like, you know, Gunn tells Cordy to leave, and she's like, I'm not leaving you. And she does try to, like, help with her axe. The axe doesn't help, but I do like that her mace helps. There's there's a weird moment that maybe... I, I, I was rushing through the, the end of the rewatch, so I didn't rewind, mm. but there's a moment where, like, Gunn's like, get out of here, Cordy. She's like, no, I'm staying. And he, like, holds his arm hand out behind to her, and I think he, like, wants her to give him the axe, and she just gives him a high five. 
<laughs> she just like slaps his hand. It's so weird. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I just pulled it up. Yes, she basically does. He puts his hand back for the axe, and then she kind of high fives it, like "Get your hand away from me," kind of like. I'm not. It's it's a weird moment. Wow, it's so weird. It's in, in, in an episode of weird choices. It's <laughs> perhaps the most baffling, and I love it. <laughs> wait, now I I want you to know. I literally just put it on too. I'm like, wait a minute, where is it? <laughs> it's so because yeah. I think he's like stand back, so he puts his hand out to like push her back, and she hits it like I'm not about to stand back, kind of thing. Mm, I think that's the maybe. energy. It just looks like she high fives him. <laughs> I I was like, yeah, she. This is just like another bumbling Cordelia misunderstanding the assignment moment. I don't know. <laughs> That's a way better read of that whole situation. <laughs> so just a really, really absolute random take on this demon. He has the worst name because. Okay, this is real specific. If you have a C-section and then have another child, I, I, I'm going somewhere with this. I promise. Um. They call that a V-back. Oh. So like a vaginal birth after C-section. Okay. And D-back just sounds way too much like V-back for me. (laughs) (laughs) Or like some sort of like vacuum cleaner, like D-back. Like I need not the A-back. Like I've got got the D-back. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like some kind of like a a weird abbreviation. Um, Yeah. 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 But but ultimately, none of this matters, Kim. (laughs) Yeah. Which is so weird. That's the thing. It's like, we do a lot of, there's a lot of plot for the stuff that doesn't matter when literally this is just the, like you said, dude, where's my car? Like (laughs) they're just looking for their car. We could have, we could have had it be that they don't know where their car is and some weird demon like group stole it. Sure. Okay. Then that's the monster they fight at the end. Like I I think it's, this is something that the, um, the writers got more confident in both in Buffy and in Angel in later seasons where they're like, we're just going to make it silly from the outset. We're we're yeah. going to have you know, um, just like like in season six of Buffy, the the lone shark is a literal shark, right? Um, like they just like they. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was Angel or Buffy, but there there is literally a, an episode where like, there's a demon that, that has just like oh, it's the um the episode is set in Italy, uh, the girl in question, and it's oh, yeah, just yeah. like. This, this funny little guy who's just like stolen a briefcase like <laughs> and, and they just have to like go on a little a little you know caper to get it back um i enjoy when they just lean into that rather than having a very plotty thing that is ultimately like that it's like they're almost they're worried that the audience won't like their jokes about the pink helmet and and the car so that they're, they're wrapping it up in a plot of the week that we care so little about <laughs> I like that Angel hits a guy with a helmet. <laughs> oh yeah, Chekhov's helmet. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I did feel bad when they when Angel put the axe into his head because I couldn't get out of my mind that he was a human, or he, you know, he was transforming into a human. So I kept just going, "Oh, they just put an axe in Jamil's head, <laughs> and now he's dead." Okay. <laughs> Like, and take the money. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I just, I, it was, it was a rough watch. That part, I was like, oh, okay, they just axed a man in the head. But then I'm like, oh yeah, stab a couple men in the heart with a wooden stick. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Angel arrives. They like help them, whatever, and we get like that's like pretty fucking quick that it's wrapped up. And again, it doesn't matter that it's the guy from the beginning because 
we that was the first time we the first and only time we saw that guy so fucking whatever well it mattered to me ian <laughs> right it mattered to hammy i'm sorry the, the person who said he didn't know who he was yes <laughs> <laughs> um and we get like we get the little wrap-up which i i think it's cute watching them do things like oh like angels wheeling the car out and they're like just like i don't know milling about i kind of i like the little like wrap-up shit we get um and the, the keys are covered in DVAC goo. Uh, and Cordelia tells Gunn, what is it that she tells him? Like, oh, I, I didn't love this, but no, I don't remember. This, what is, this is very, white yeah. very white savior. And, and this is like the part like when I remember this episode, I remember this conversation because it's so patronizing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, where Cordelia says DVAC wasn't the danger. Gunn is a danger to himself. He attracts danger and and brings danger to others because he's on a self-destruct mission. Yeah. And I just feel like if there had, if it even been put a slightly different way where she's like, she could have maybe even alluded to the fact that he's still like, you know, he was so triggered by his sister, by by Veronica and his sister that night. But she's like, no, she's just like, no, no, you just need help. And it's very, and then he calls her Dionne Warwick, which I didn't understand like what Dionne Warwick has to do with any of this. The it's a psychic network. She used to host the like psychic network. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's very like I would be like, excuse me, that's hardly any of your business. Why don't you fuck off, please? <laughs> right. Um, but in but in the end, they 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 do that thing where it's like, well, we're just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say thank you and I'm not gonna say you're right. I'm just gonna give you a little smile and then Cordelia's gonna give him a little smile and then I- he drives off and that's and that's an ending, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did like that acknowledgement, though, of, like, it's almost like, okay, we're cool now. Like, I did like that, like, the nod and the nod. Um, I love her just saying, uh, where's my thank, how about my thank you, because I love Cordelia Chase. But, yes, I, he doesn't give it to her, because she was kind of being white savory, and he just kind of, like, nods at her, and then she smiles. And I, I like that, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, I like that acknowledgement of each other where it's like, we're cool, but like, relax about it. Yeah, I like like that too. I I think I, I think we can hate the white savior stuff and like the relationship that's created between the two of them by the end of the episode and like acknowledge that it's like total ick. (laughs) (laughs) The Diane Warwick crap, um, you know, but I mean, this is like, what's that movie like the blind side came out a couple years probably after this episode right like it's not right the fact that this is a bad way for for people to treat each other isn't out in the public knowledge realm yet even though it's so fucking obvious from our 2023 perspective so i think gun's acceptance of and guns not giving her a thank you but just giving her that smile and like the fact that this does something for their relationship like that's what's got to be important for this series if yeah. we be watching it in 2023 and yeah able to able to enjoy it well and like we can I, I feel like the only reason it's not like a total like the only reason it's not as bad as some to me as some like white savior things is because we actually do have her having visions like that is that is her literal role is she has visions about people and then, like, tries to Yeah, help. it's just that line that was quoted. You know, you just don't face danger. You create it. You're on a self-destruct yes. mission unless you get some help. It's like, okay, back off. Like, you have literally no idea, rich, sunny girl, Sunnydale girl, like, what got I'm like, we, we like, like, just met. <laughs> like, period. You know? Yeah. Like, the end. Yeah. Yeah, if she was just like, you're still in danger, 
something bad is still going to happen. End of story. It's like, okay, that's not white right. savior. You're just telling me what you know. Like what you yeah. saw, yeah. Or even if it even if it had been like uh, you know, we're we're all in danger, we fight demons, like da- we face danger every day. You need people around you, you need to accept help. Yeah. Like it's just there were so many ways to just like slightly tweak that delivery that would make it less uh less icky. But you're absolutely right, Kim. Ultimately we need to fold gun into the into the team and I think a, a I'm sure in the in the room they were like, what a fun way to do this would be would be to like pair him up with the absolute polar opposite character on the show and yeah. have them go on an adventure together. And then by the end of that, he's part of the crew. Yeah. And like I more of him into the fold, don't keep like I don't like them keeping him so separate as they had been doing, as like Angel just kind of talks to him, but that's it. Um <clears throat> they all drive off. Angel arrives home to the lobby it's empty and hammy who's there waiting for him why do you always call on me for this it's darla and it's another (laughs) sex scene and how dare you assume that i'm the one who wants to talk about this (laughs) um it's fucking hot (laughs) yeah i thought i I, they couldn't have done this on tv well i mean they do show them having sex i thought she was gonna blow him and i was like (laughs) this is the hottest thing i've ever (laughs) And then they just started having like regular sex. And I was like, oh, classic sitcom. <laughs> but the way she like climbs on him and like pulls oh, off yeah. his shirt, the whole like, thing. oof, very good. And I, I like that then we like cut to, I actually forgot. I didn't think we got the reveal that it was her doing the dreams until later, but I forgot that it's like right at the end of this episode. We then see that he is dreaming again, but that she is literally there. And, like, she is naked crawling in Sleeping Angel's bed. And I like her last line um, yeah. of, I could just eat you up. And the way she delivers it is so good. Oh, so good. Like, having Julie Benz be, like, a main character in season two is such a good choice. Because she's such a good actor. And I, I do think that the, uh, sort of, not just in this episode, but, you know, the, the first sort of chunk of season two, I think the dreams go on a little too long i but i i understand you know you have 22 episodes to fill in a season uh but oh god like once once they start interacting in the real world that is just gold yeah yeah um all right well i guess we are at the end uh favorite scene kim i'm gonna pick accordion gun in the hospital waiting room and okay. i i like that how it draws our characters together but then especially how they don't make it too, too serious. And it really like, we get the Cordy we know and love where, where behind her, she knows that the guy they need to get the cars in the elevator and stops him. I think that that's set up. The juxtaposition is great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Philip naked dreams. <laughs> I, I just, the, the image of Angel and Darla on sun loungers in swimwear at night wearing sunglasses is just like, and, and like, oh my god! Like the body, the body. <laughs> um, it's it's just great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Hammy, uh, the fight that the fight and the ensuing uh, car scene where they're sitting there and they have the Denzel talk because I think it's a good character moment. And also, there's like a little fun fact that you can see David Boreanaz's reflection in the car that they never <laughs> <laughs> tried to remove in post. Yeah, I, there are so many moments when it's just like, oh, yep, we're going to throw that vampire lore out the window. Um, 
So I had a tie uh, between Hammy and Philip's answer, the sunbathing <laughs> in the dark dream and the like moment of all four of them after getting their asses kicked were like my yeah. two favorite. That was my favorite. Uh, yeah. Um, I would say Kim's is the best scene though. <laughs> the one Kim Kim's is, is probably, if you ask me what the best scene is, I would probably pick that one. But if you ask me what my favorite scene is. Right. I would. Yeah. I, I always say there's a difference between like, what's the best and what's my favorite. Um, and I just got to point out, Philip, you mentioned the bodies and I, David Boreanaz's body, like the reason it really works is because it's not, I don't know what it's like. He's like gotten a little bit thicker, but like not thick by any means, but thicker than he like twink season one, David Boreanaz. But like, Mm. he's not like super defined, but he's like defined, but like, I don't know. It just like, looks like he really throw you around. (laughs) Like like, if this, if this was a show being made now, he would have like, the the roid body that every right. you know I, mean, I, write for, I write for men's health magazine it is a, these men have a, it's a full-time job to look like that it's insane we all have body dysmorphia let's just start there yes. um <laughs> I, I i do like watching shows from a little while ago where the i mean the, the male gaze and the expectations of female beauty were still hella warped and hella disproportionate but right. uh the you know men hadn't started um being put under that same insane pressure just yet yeah and like i like them being able to like look like that and it like is still hot like it's still i mean he's still incredible in incredible shape like it's still yeah. an amazing body to aspire to you know yeah mm. <laughs> favorite outfit hammy oh jesus i forgot that this was part of it um <laughs> maybe the ridiculous one cordelia is wearing at the beginning to uh dust because right. it's so over the top. It's like, I can't quite remember it because I, I don't have it in front of me. But I remember it was like, gave me like ring leader vibes. Like it was like a red sleeveless kind of number in her pants. Maybe had rivets. I need to look this up. You guys it's, keep going. I, I, I want to say it had like a Versace, late 90s Versace vibe. It was like a red blouse or sweater. And it had like gold buttons or studs down the arms. And then like a black pencil skirt, I think. Dear God, I was way off. Uh, I'm still going to pick it. Yeah. <laughs> Despite not I remembering mean, what it looks like. It's, it's a great look, in, if only that it really contrasts with the grimy, you know, sort of like day off cleaning the apartment Cordelia that we get for the rest of the episode in that in that outfit. Yeah, and, oh. and her eye, because I'm looking at it right now, she's also wearing um, knee-high boots and the like the like slit in the skirt on both sides that has rivets on either side of the slit goes like very much almost up to her waist. Who cleans it that? Right? (laughs) Uh, uh, Philip, what was your favorite outfit? Uh, I am tall. I'm going to have two. Okay. Uh, And it's it's both Darla. It's the red dress that she wears in the cold open just because I like Dala in a form-fitting red dress is Dala. Like in my head, that that's yeah. what the character wears all the time. <laughs> um, almost like how you know when you think of glory, you think of a, a red dress, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dala, it, it's red and it's black. Uh, like that, that. Those are her colors. Um, but also the dress that she wears in that final scene um, before just stripping off completely, because um, it's it's sort of it's incredibly sexy. Uh, it's like this, you know, tiny, strappy, uh, like, you know, form-fitting, but then it's, like, got this very, like, demure, like, floral print. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, like, it's sexy, but, like, m- milfy almost. <laughs> uh, I just, but she just looks great. She, she like, <laughs> it's not a great episode for outfits, but Dala, 
showed up. Yeah. Uh, Kim? I like Cordy's comfy clothes, and I like how even when she gets blood all over her sleeves, she can still roll them up and look good. Yeah. Um, that's I like that outfit, too, because it yes. it also kind of looks like the same thing Buffy wore in the I Will Remember You episode. Um, the, like, white, vaguely table-knit, like, it's, thin... It's very the gift as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, so the, the cut of the, the collar, um, it's it's that similar. Although it's, like, it's in that very... Um, like fisherman sweater material where like with the with the with the, it sort of curls slightly yes. at the collar and the cuffs i had one like that in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> yes that's a better that's a better explanation than vaguely cable knit um but i think she looks good in the white and i really like her hair when it like she has such great hair it looks good all the time i'm like upset that in soon and quickly oh. we'll get to her cutting her hair off <laughs> and it like re-watching season two like the hair starts out so great and the all of the ads i remember all of the posters all of the video the vhs like artwork for season two it was all about cordelia's long tumbling mane of dark hair and then it just like it takes them so many episodes to figure it out like there are some episodes where it looks like she's had it cut but it's like bundled up under a wig yeah. And then she really cuts it, and then it's like dyed really black, and then she puts like the rogue streak in it, and it's basically at the end of season two when she's gone a little bit blonde, it works. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, what a road to get there! Yeah, I see. I don't even like the blonde. I like the only the version I like of it is the end of this season when it's like got the weird highlights, but it's like still brownish and like shoulder length. Mm-hmm. That's the version I like. I don't the blonde. Oof. Um, but like she's gorgeous and whatever, but like she has such thick hair. It looks, it looks good, even pulled back and like that bun. It's still, you see how fucking thick it is and great. Um, and I like her little bandana, but, uh, and then my second would be, um, angel naked sunbathing. Um, (laughs) what grade do we give this episode, Hammy? A B minus. All right. All right. Philip. A C plus, because even though it's got some really fun moments and some really sexy moments, the plot itself makes zero sense. <laughs> it's funny, Philip, because uh, last night I was talking to Ian and I was like, listen, I might be late. I don't know how long I can be there. So just so you know, it's a C plus from me. And then literally talking <laughs> to you guys about this episode raised it up in, in my book. I was prepared for a C plus, but I went with a B minus. Professor Kimberly Ann, what is your grade? I've also got a, a B minus here okay. for all the reasons that have been talked about during this episode. See, I had a C plus, but I think you're bumping me up to a B minus. I think you've all convinced me because it's like the plot is stupid, but like it's still fun. And the characters are all like it's these characters have become more fun to watch than they were in season one. And like the Angel West stuff is like funny of him saying gorgeous. And like, so, yeah, I think B minus. I think I'll do yeah. B minus. I like to think of it as two ways. Like I like to think of it like this is the rating I gave it while I watched it alone. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone has so much like great stuff to bring to it where they're like, oh, well, this moment happened and that moment happened. I'm like, okay, I can raise it. Or if they're like, this was hugely problematic and Mike's too stupid to realize it, I'm like, yes, a D. It's a D. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for listening. Hammy, how was your first episode as a co host? Oh, just lovely. It really it feels like I've been a co-host forever, if I'm being honest. It does, yes. It just does. without any of the responsibilities. <laughs> and I can just leave whenever I want. Um, 
Thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm very happy to be in Angel Season 2. Um, if you like the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can find us on social media at SlayerFestX98. You can support us on Patreon, where you can listen to all our bonus episodes, join our Patreon Zooms and watch-alongs and everything else. And uh, if you want to follow me, I am at Carlos. Philip, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philip underscore Ellis. That's Philip with one L, Ellis with two. Uh, Instagram at Philip Ellis. And you can find me in bookstores. My debut novel, Love and Other Scams, is out now. Yay! Philip, is that the first time you've been on that you've been able to say that? It's the first time since the book has actually been out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Hammy, where can everyone find you and your wonderful cosplay? Uh, my wonderful cosplay can be found on Instagram at michael.ham.cosplay. If you want to follow my thirstier lifestyle stuff, you can find that on Instagram as well at hammy73. And I have a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash michaelham. And Kim, where can everyone find you and also get your book? Yeah, this is the first time I've been on since my debut poetry collection came out. <laughs> it's pinned to the top of my Twitter profile. And uh, I'm at Kim and Joe South, and there are no E's in that. Okay. <laughs> Anywhere you think there's an E, there isn't one. But yeah, that's the best place to find me. Or KimberlyAnnSouthwick.com. All right, cool. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.